Welcome to the Yoga Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Saraswati Clare, an award-winning documentary filmmaker and owner of Yoga Kula from the San Francisco Bay Area. Join us to hear from the world's leading experts on yoga, teachers, doctors, scientists, and scholars. To study more deeply with these inspiring teachers, check out the courses on our website, In this new era, where we have the opportunity to envision and create a new world, the practices of yoga help us to live more consciously so that we can create a better inner and outer world. To help others find us, please leave your comments on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. In today's episode, I'm so happy to interview Colleen Sedman Yee. Colleen is a yoga teacher, a studio owner, and author of a book called Yoga for Life. In today's conversation, Colleen talks about how yoga has been a life-saving support and why yoga and meditation were such a big part of her journey to inner peace. Colleen also shares with us about the inspiring vision and the profound work of the Urban Zen Project. Hi, Colleen, it's Saraswati. Hey there. Lovely to talk with you today, and thank you so much. Of course, thank you. (laughs) I um, would love for you to talk to us about um, maybe those times when you first... um, started to understand the healing power of yoga the big moments when you just understood how incredibly healing yoga could be um well i have to start back with my first class actually cool um i did not want to do yoga i was an <laughs> athlete i have five brothers i was into boxing and running and basketball and you know, trying to prove myself um athletically and whatnot uh, so a uh, friend of mine, a roommate, dragged me. I actually lost a toy co- coin toss. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so she dragged me to her yoga class. And um, I'm not going to say I enjoyed it um, because I didn't really enjoy it because I like to be good at things and mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I was really good at it. Um, but something quite mysterious and magical happened when I left. I was living in New York City, as I still am, um, and I'd walk down the street of Broadway, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of times, and suddenly it was completely different. It was as if I were seeing it for the first time. Um, It's like this incredible perception switch happened where things were clear. Like I felt the ground I was walking on. I smelled the pretzels that were being baked in the stall right there. I could see the light so clearly. The people's expression, um, I didn't feel alienated. I mean, it was just like this weird moment. And my, my friend and I walked home without saying a word, but it was almost, um, reverent. It was just this incredible thing that I just didn't understand. Um, you know, I, a lot of my history is in, in my book that, you know, I, I did do a lot of drugs um, and that became an addiction hmm. of mine. And um, 
this was the first time that I had a moment that I didn't have suffering when it wasn't um, when I wasn't using the crutch of um, of drugs. So it was a, a transcendental moment, just that first yoga class. Um, and I didn't stick to it. Even after that, I went back to my running and my uh, pounding and um, trying to be better and compete and whatnot. Um, and then I ended up having to have back surgery in 94. And even though I was still, I did do yoga. I was, I had it in my regimen as a stretching um, because I, I wasn't really ready to go into that, that deep introspective, um, you could call it spiritual aspect, even though I had that experience. Uh, and I think that we do that a lot. We run away when the beauty of our self and our soul and our authenticity starts mm-hmm. to be revealed. It's not familiar. And um, I think we want to close that door really quickly because we don't know who we are. Our identity is stripped for a moment. Um, so anyway, after my back surgery, I, I've only done yoga since then. And the number of times I don't cry. It's not my go-to. Um, I was a fashion model since I was 17 for uh, 35, 40 years. I've been in front of the camera and my eyes are inherently puffy. It's, it's my DNA. But if I cried, you couldn't photograph me. My eyes were so puffy and I would be made to feel horrible or I'd feel horrible about myself. So I trained myself never to cry. Um, and when you grow up with five brothers, you know, you can't let them see you cry. You, know, you can't let them get to you. So what started happening is in Shavasana, these years of tears, wow. <laughs> literally, oh. started to, to just oh. flow. And I, I didn't understand it um, really for probably 20 years into my practice wow. that all of this stuff mm. was stuck in the body. And mm. somatically, you get into yoga and you, you breathe love, you breathe prana. You move with that love, with that prana, with that breath in a room full of people that are so supportive and they're dealing with their own stuff in their own somatic, beautiful way, leading towards some sort of peaceful existence that the body finally starts to let down. And um, those tears are more of a relief of not having to hold it up anymore. So I would say those are a couple of the uh, more transcendent experiences that uh, from yoga wonderful was there um and so from there you where was your kind of next where you kind of decided oh this is something I really want to dive into do you have like a turning point a teacher or program Um, that really opened you up to the next level yes um well I had discovered Jiva Mukti Hmm. Yeah, really resonated with me because I'm uh, from a very strict Catholic family, and I've always enjoyed uh, the rituals of Catholicism. Yeah, um, and so the the in the chanting and the Dharma talks, and and then the it also spoke to my athleticism. Jiva Mukti is a, a more rigorous um, sort of vinyasa moving practice. Um, so that that brought me in, and it, it did make me feel like home. Mm in a lot of ways. Um, and I had, I had a child in 95 
And I continued to model. Actually, within six weeks, I was back doing swimsuits because that was my goal, you know. And um, I, I, I pondered back milk and I put it in the freezer and I gave it to my husband at the time and I was going to get back on the road and you know and uh, it was you know that sort of having to do it all and so on the way home from um, that modeling job that I'd left my baby and I'm in the motor home (laughs) pumping and dumping Mm -hmm. this gold and my baby's nourishment I'm like in the motor home it was just bizarre right Mm -hmm. And um, so on the way home from that trip, I was in the LAX airport and my flight got aborted because of a snowstorm in in New York. And I just literally laid on the ground screaming, crying. I think it's the one I've maybe had two or three just complete breakdowns in my entire life. And that was one of them. And so I called my agency. This is midnight. Mm. And I call my agency and the answering machine did pick up and I started screaming. It's like, this is Colleen. I will never, ever travel again. Put this on my chart. Colleen does not travel. (laughs) Um, So anyway, so I did stop traveling and uh, I breastfed my child for three more years. But... um, that's when the, the yoga really started to play in. And I decided to take a teacher training, not to teach yoga, but to just really start to dive into the subtleties and to the beauty and to the, um, the depth of the subtleties of, of the yoga practice. And uh, so it was in 97 that I did my teacher mm-hmm. training with Jiva Mukti. What's well, sort of um, one of the areas that, you, you know, you've already kind of in, we're heading in that direction, but what healed for you if there was to be a few major things that you could pinpoint that, you know, the areas, we all have our areas of injury or areas that have been a struggle. What do you think for you did the yoga really help to heal? Um, I'm not going to say that yoga has healed necessarily, Mm anything in that it's a it's a continuous process of mm. healing um but i've started to see and again this has been going on for a long time um my way of thinking that it's just never enough yeah i'm just never enough and mm. i beat myself up and I still do it. I sit in meditation and, you know, <laughs> these thoughts come, but at least I notice it now. Mm, and I yep. think that that's um, a big thing. And I, I'm able to be vulnerable. Yeah. Mm. And in that vulnerability, I feel like other, you know, especially women mm. um, are allowed to, to do that too. And I, I hope that I am um, giving that message off that it, you know, it's okay. We're all in this game together and we're all running scared and we've all put on this Mm -hmm. armor and none of us feel like we're enough. And then we measure ourselves, um, and never add up and are rarely add up. Um, and it's just a, it's a sad state of being. There's a story of the uh, Dalai Lama actually, when he was asked, you know, what is, what is the worst um, thing that's going on in the country right now, and it was low self-esteem. And it took him a long time. I'm trying to find the interview the other day. I couldn't find it. But yeah. it took him a long time to even understand what he was being told. And then he became visibly so sad. Oh. 
But I feel like this loneliness, this fear, this yeah. isolation, this feeling that we have to hide or pose because yeah. somebody's going to see that we're not who we want them to think that we are. And um, and I think that yoga starts to unravel that. Beautiful. And we see where in our body we're holding the, that, criti- that criticism and that um, self-judgment. And then we can start to unwind that and um, uncover it and notice where our, what our crutches are. And the next time we start to go there, even something as simple as when someone gives you a compliment, it's so hard. Even if somebody says, you know, I really like your hair. Mm. And I'm like, no, 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 I really like your hair. <laughs> do you know what I mean? No, your yeah. hair is beautiful. You, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So just to have those moments of like, oh, thank you. Mm. Yeah. Um. So it's just, it's that understanding, that intimacy, that learning to fall in love with what is um, and to um, understand our beauty, Do you, to understand the, the love, the compassion that we're so capable of. Is there a way for somebody who, you know, is a little newer to yoga, if you could uh, explain kind of how, it sounds really magical that that could happen. Can you help us to see how that could happen through yoga, that sense of, you know, self-acceptance and um, self-love? How, how, how does it actually happen? By tuning in rather than tuning out. Uh-huh. Um, by connecting internally, which most of us have abandoned. Yeah. We've disassociated. Um, especially those of us that have been traumatized, um, our body becomes just something that we have to drag around. It's not this beautiful vehicle that we get to live in. Mm. And um, in yoga, we we re-inhabit that home. Beautiful. And we clean it up so that it's a place that we want to abide in. Mm. Um, and we fill it with love. And then we have that love to, to share with others. But it really starts with quieting down. Yeah. Um, you know, it starts with sitting rather than running and it it might be three minutes a day initially. Um, and you sit with what comes up and you set the timer and it's, you know, no matter what comes up, I'm just going to sit here for three minutes. Um, or I'm going to do this 15 minute twist class and I'm going to notice the effects of that class afterwards. Um, so it's just these little step by step and, it's not, um, I'm going to do this and this is going to happen, but it starts to be just a, a revelation, but it doesn't have to be aha. You know, it, it has taken 60 years to build up these blocks and to squish down these feelings. You can't expect overnight. Um, do you know what I mean? So it's just, it's a process, it's a process. And it's about connecting rather than running. It's about connecting, becoming intimate, staying when you want to leave, uncovering when you when you want to cover. You know, thinking too, and you may have said this already too. That you know, yoga helps us to um, look at different kind of practices, like um, being more compassionate with ourselves too. You know, and that sometimes if you've been running all your life, it's hard. You know, that's not a practice. It's not something we practice a lot because we've been running. Yeah, and I think um, 
just on a very practical, tangible level, mm. uh, when you start to notice your breath patterns, mm, that's great. Um, then there's things that you can do for that. For instance, if you've spent your life um, in fight or flight or anxious, uh, chances are your breath is caught up in the upper chambers and yeah. your eyes are bulging and maybe your ears are red um, and you're not exhaling. Mm. Right? To, to, start, to start to notice that. So someone who's lived their life anxious right. needs to find some way to exhale. Mm. Um, and it's not like you can, and forward bends are going to give you that. Right. To forward bend, that is exhale, that's relaxation, that's moving on the other side of the spectrum of anxiety and holding the inhale and having everything in the upper body. Um, so to, to try to get somebody to move in that direction, mm. which may mean if I'm working with someone who's really anxious, I can't put them in a restorative child's pose right away. Yeah. That's just not going to work. Their nervous system is going to revolt. Yeah. So maybe I'll do sun salutations to begin with just to get to, to like use all of that excess um, uh, sort of stagnation and get things moving. But my goal will be that restorative child's pose by the end of the practice. Yeah. So there can be this exhale, and chances are at that point, there'll be a release of some sort. Um, or if somebody has spent you know, a lot of time being sad, mm-hmm. um, that's more of a collapsed feeling. Right? That's more heavy and lethargic. So my goal for that person may be to somehow get them into a restorative backbend. Mm-hmm. Um, to get them into that place where they don't feel like they have to protect because sadness is sort of you're, you're closed up and you're protecting. Mm. Um, so just on a very tangible level to notice the breath and then to try to work, you know, both breath work, meditation and asana um, to find some sort of a, a balance or a relief or a release. It's so fascinating when you think about sort of the human body and how we um, lock certain patterns and emotional patterns within practice. And even just listening to you talking about the different things that are good for heart opening, for grieving, um, you know, all the different patterns that start to habituate themselves in our body or maybe they've been in our family system. And I, I just find it all just so wonderfully fascinating how, you know, the yoga practice can help us to be more in touch with what is locked in the body and how to release it and to be how, more, um, as you said earlier, um, aware of, start to actually tune in and listen to ourselves and, and be more nurturing towards ourselves in that way. Yeah, I think you hit on something really important there. Um, and that is our habits, our familiarity yeah. um, that, that's bred from, you know, the day that we were born. Mm. And in the same way that um, a woman or a man will continue to go back to an abusive yeah. uh, relationship, it's the familiar mm-hmm. um, is almost less scary or is less scary than yeah. the unknown. Um and I think that we can we start to see that in yoga. It's like, what am I doing? Mm. Um, you know, in the same way that someone who's in prison 
when they get out of prison, they do another crime so they can get sent back in because yeah. that's the safe. known. Mm. It's safe. Mm. Um, and I think that yoga can bring us to the doorstep of the unknown. Yeah. And uh, moving into that space can bring incredible courage. Mm. And, I mean, something as simple as, you know, when you interlace the fingers, you, you always interlace the same one on top. Right. When you clap, right? When you yes. reach for the doorknob, you reach with the same hand. When you yeah. clap, the same hand is on top. Right. So to start to just move away from um, these, these habits of being, uh, so that we can be actually, I know, sort of cliche and new age, but the best possible version of ourselves, ultimate potential and capacity and um, and not shut ourselves into this prison mm. that we've been uh, habitually uh, presenting and putting ourselves into this tiny little capsule yeah. rather than the expanse. Yeah. So... Uh, and uh, as you're speaking, it reminds me, too, about early days of coming into yoga and hearing terms like, you know, the sacred temple of the body. And it, it just hit me in such a big way of going, I have never thought, about, you know, like we've mm. grown up to have this, um, most of us sort of antagonistic relationship. And, you know, it's easy to see the sacred around us, perhaps in nature, but not to see ourselves and you know sort of for me coming to grips with ah you know to start to honor that my whole body can breathe by itself and Mm -hmm. has this whole galaxy of magical connections that um goes on and I'm so like well you're not fit enough and (laughs) you're not this enough and you still can't do that pose and it's um you know it's such a contrast to really what you know, the early teachings were helping, you know, at least a tantric philosophy helping us to connect to how do you come to the sacredness within within your own being? Yeah, I mean, a level of acceptance, but also humor has to come into play. Right. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yep, <laughs> yep, like yep. Taking ourselves so seriously. Yeah. It's like, you know what? My back is never going to allow me to grab my foot in Natra Jasana, no matter how many hours I crank and yank on it. It's just never going to happen. And I'm 60 years old and my balance isn't what it used to be. So it's like, uh, this is, it's fun. It's funny. I fall over. I, yeah. you know, it's just like, at some point we have to uh, stop taking ourselves quite so seriously. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, the acceptance of the body. I just mm-hmm. wish that we could implement this um, in young girls when they yes. start uh, budding into women, and you know the yeah. um, not to switch gears completely, yeah. but the judgment and the bullying, and yes. then you believe you believe what you're being Oof. told by the mean kids, and yeah. um, and it's so wounding, and you carry those wounds, yeah. and you believe those words, and the, it's just if we could teach these young girls um, how important and how beautiful Mm. they are and that it's just the the fear and the pressure uh, from the other girls that uh, we had two of our daughters were bullied horribly in school and um, there's nothing that's broken my heart as much as that and I have a really good friend whose son was bullied and then he ended up killing himself Um, so it's not just girls. It's yeah. it's just so prevalent. And there's nothing by walking past a group of people and hearing them laugh at you. Yeah. Um, so something 
and I, I do feel like yoga has some answers for this mm. to to implement at a young age um, kindness and connection yeah. and love of the of the body and uh, realizing that what other people say to you is about them. It's not about you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's just that is just so sad. It's yeah. such a sad state of our society. And it starts at home. Yeah, it starts at home. Um, so I think that we, the blood is on all of our hands, Yeah. but if we can teach these practices, um, from a young age, the meditation is funny. My daughter's 23 and she's living in San Diego and, you know, she's probably become quite a yoga snob because she's been <laughs> lived with it her entire <laughs> life between myself and my husband, Rodney yeah. Yee, um, but so she's been looking for quote good yoga yeah. in uh, San Diego, and so she found the studio that she's like they don't load the hip and they don't have a yoga voice, and so she was <laughs> you know she was excited about it, and um, and then so she went back to take her second class, and the teacher had a yoga voice, and she was like oh and we're sitting in meditation, and she's telling us to quietly and slowly <laughs> please allow you you know going into into that I'm not making fun of yeah. it, but you understand what yeah. I'm talking about when there's an affectation and you put right. on a persona disconnected that you think, yeah. Like, yeah and she's like and then I realized that that's what meditation is for mm. you know to yeah. take those ag it's not for when you feel I mean it can be but it's not when all the ducks are in a row and everything is great. It's for those moments that you are, your buttons are pushed. Mm. You are triggered. Um, you are hooked. Mm. Um, there is something that's like rubbing you the wrong way or fingernails on a chalkboard or whatever it is. It's in those moments, right? Can you find the space? Can mm. you find the relaxation? Can you relax enough that the hook can slide out rather than making you, you know, bloodier and angry and, and, and frustrated? So that was um, just sort of a beautiful yeah. moment um, in, in how all of this can come together and help the next generation. Yeah. Do you, do you have a personal moment where you were in a deep kind of reactive, reactive state from an event where you could just feel how yoga could take you home again, like, you know, help you deal with, you know, a chaotic experience or something that was hard for you? Um, yes. I'm not sure if this is, is that siren? That's out here in in You're Berkeley. Not in, New York City. <laughs> in Berkeley. Um, well, this this is sort of goes to the the urban zen. But when my mother was dying, um, I walked into. She had had a basically a heart attack. They're not calling it a heart attack. And um, my she had died, and my father had brought her back to life. Um, and she was in the hospital. But I walked in and I could tell she was done. Um, she ended up die, dying five weeks later. But um, I, I sh she couldn't talk. She was basically in a coma, but her eyes were open. But there was nothing except for the expression in her, in her eyes. And I had flown there with my daughter because we didn't know if she would live through the night. 
and um, I I got in bed with her, mm. and I I, oh. I I sat at the crown of her head, oh. and I had you know she was a devout Catholic, mm. and um, and so I put frankincense on my hands, which is a smell that she's familiar with. Um, she already had her rosaries in her hand, which she never went anywhere without her rosaries. But I put my my hands on her head, and I was giving her Reiki, and I positioned her head so that she could see my daughter, who which was you know, one of the loves of her life. And um, I started talking her through a meditation, you know, a full body meditation, just like, you know, feel my hands on your head. Can you feel the love that I'm giving you wow. through the hands, through my hands right now? Um, so I just was able to bring that yoga and, you know, a lot of that was the urban Zen, um, into that bed. And I didn't feel helpless, you know, when loved ones are suffering, um, or something tragic has just happened and you want to help, but you feel helpless, um, and, and sort of stuck and afraid. Um, so that was just a beautiful moment. I didn't hesitate. I walked in and I'm getting in bed, I've got my lavender, I'm putting my, my head in her hands, I'm going to comfort her the way that she has comforted me so many times in my life. Um, so to be able to do that with her and to give her that scan of her beautiful body and she could feel my loving hands and smell the frankincense and have her rosaries and have my daughter there in her vision, um, was sort of brought the the whole it, it was the most divine thing that could have happened and it couldn't have happened without my years of yoga yeah. and specifically the urban zen training um, or the urban zen methodology that Rodney and I uh, co-founded ah oh, beautiful experience and so beautiful for your daughter to be Absolutely. part of that as well you know it's a, a ritual really isn't it yeah. Sort of yes. be, be, it's it's easy for us to be with people when there's a child being born into the world, but somehow we we're not very practiced with dying, with that part of life too. Yeah, it's interesting because it is actually such a powerful, beautiful yeah um, part of the 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 cycle. Yeah. Um, if you could, yeah. Um, yeah, tell us about. Love to hear more about the Urban Zen project, and I, I've little I know I'm just very inspired and I would love to see these kinds of programs happening everywhere I think and what you've done is extraordinary no absolutely um we're doing a training in New York City April 1st to the 7th if anybody wants to at Yoga Shanti Tribeca which is my new studio in Tribeca New York Mm -hmm. City but just to give you um it started because uh, Donna Karen's husband uh, had lung cancer for seven years before oh. he passed on. And um, I don't know if you know much about Donna, but since she was 17, she's been doing yoga and going into everything that she could possibly go into that was alternative. Yeah. And um, so when Stephen was ill, she would bring in her essential oil person. She'd bring in her Reiki person and she'd bring in her her meditation teacher and her yoga teacher and her green, the person that made her green juices. And, and Stephen used to call these her woo-woos. It's like you and your woo-woos get out of here. Right. (laughs) But when he was sick, it was another story. They gave him so much comfort. Um, and, and giving him comfort 
they gave the nurses a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when he was dying, his dying wish was, Donna, find a way to bring this wow. to the nurses and to every patient because it oh. has been a godsend for me in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, so we were sitting with Donna, and this was soon after Stephen had died, and she was like, I just don't know how I'm going to make his dying wishes come true, but this this has to be my life work now. So um, Rodney and I took it on as our, our mission, and um, we had to find modalities that were acceptable in the clinical setting. So we, uh, first of all, found the symptoms that we needed to deal with, and the ones we came up with were pain, anxiety, nausea, insomnia, constipation, sadness, and exhaustion. And then we found the, the best restorative poses that deal with those. For example, if you're constipated and you can't leave the hospital until you've had a bowel movement, this is an important, and now gut health is just mm, like, yeah. you know, all over right now is a, a beacon of health. Um, if we can get our, our guts healthy, um, is to get the body as close to squatting as possible mm. because that creates the downward wind of the body. Um, so squatting and walking are the two ways to get the peristaltic movement. So somebody's in a, in a hospital bed, it's like, okay, how can we get them? So if we can even get them to like bend one knee, straighten the other leg to emulate walking, oh. or if they're more mobile than that, if we can get them in a bodhikanasana, right? Soles of the feet together, knees wide and support the, the legs. Um, if we can maybe get them put some pillows to the side and let them drop their knees over so they have a twist. So we, we took all of these symptoms and created in-bed movements and restorative poses um, to ad- address that. And I spoke a little bit about that before, about the pain, the anxiety, and the depression. Yeah. So then, so we did that. And then it's like, okay, essential oils, what essential oil will go with what symptom? And so we distilled that information down. And then it's like, well, what breath work would go with this symptom to create some sort of equanimity or balance or relief? Um, so then we paired that. And then it's the, you know, the in-body meditation because we're not trying to fantasize. Um, we're not trying to escape and pretend that something isn't happening but we're moving into the body. And there's so much research um, about this in body, especially uh, John Kabat-Zinn, yeah. uh, where they, they, they take people in very painful situations and they talk them through nothing first and it's agony. And then, you know, visualization, which could be you know, a beautiful sunset, a warm night, Mai Tai in your hand, golden mm-hmm. retriever walking, you know, all of that. And, and it was less painful But then when they did the body scan meditation where you go through the whole body, you don't ignore the areas that are in pain. Um, You notice them. You don't run away from them. You draw a circle around them. You bring your pride, your love, your attention. Uh, But then you do that for the whole body. The um, results are phenomenal as far as um, pain relief um, and comfort so we, we so we incorporated that, and we it keeps evolving. Um, and then we train with Roshi Joan Halifax on mm-hmm. contemplative care. It's like, how do you 
walk in a room when you don't know what to expect. Um, you know, so there's so many, you know, techniques, tools, meditations. And so we've taught, you know, doctors, nurses, allied healthcare professionals all over the nation in these modalities. Um, but now we're also, you know, we're teaching you know, corporations, schools, you know, my, my busiest uh, classes at the yoga studio or the urban Zen classes, wow. people are now realizing wow. that they need to yes. restore and the difference between taking a nap yeah. and, um, you know, you set the body up in optimal relaxation positions. And then you talk them through these uh, body awareness meditations. You talk them through specific breath exercises. You give them Reiki. You have essential oils. And it's just, it's yeah. just, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, and there've been so many, a, a nurse, actually, this is uh, sort of touching a nurse that we trained at UCLA wrote us a letter and she's been a nurse for 15 years and she had to take someone off of life support. Mm. And, uh, she said that I did a walking meditation to the room. Mm. I felt my heel. I felt my ball. I felt my, the toes of my feet. Um, I was breathing the whole time, you know, if she had a mantra, you know, yeah. let go, let go, be present, you know, whatever her, I cannot remember what her personal one was, but then she took her hand and felt the doorknob and she took a breath there. She turned the doorknob. She felt the broadness of her back, the equanimity, knowing that she was going to have to um, handle a difficult situation with compassion. So she made sure that the front of her body was soft and receptive. So she walked in, the family members were there. She gave the family members all some lavender. She gave them a little bit of chair yoga. She talked them wow. through a meditation. Mm -hmm. And then she unplugged the person from life support. Wow. And she said she felt, I just got goosebumps telling yes. you the story. Yeah. She, sa she said that she felt like it was the first time that she ever really got to do her job. Wow. Oh, yeah. So. Can you imagine the sort of the trauma that a, people like that would have to deal with with their own, their own body of feeling all those emotions that you would have to as you're walking into it or closing it down and not feeling it. And they are here. Yeah. yeah, there are heroes. They are so yes. burnt out and they need our love. Yes. Um, they need relaxation. They yeah. need help. They need wellness. Yeah. As one of Donna Karen's favorite phrases is, he's like, there is no health care without self care. Uh, there is only sick care at yeah. that point. So we have to take care of the doctors and nurses. We just have to. Yeah. Um, they're burnt out. They're working way too hard. They're doing everything from paperwork to, um, to, to everything, to yeah. delivering the food and then having to listen to painful stories. It's just, yeah. it, it's too much telling people you have dot, 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 and then they totally. break apart, but you have to hold it together. And yes. then, it's just it, what they're having to do. It's just, it's so yeah. beautiful and they're there for altruistic reasons, um, but they need support. And yeah. that's part of why this program that we developed, this program, 
Um, but now it's it's gone out into you know it's a new career. Yeah, that's it's so exciting. Um, Is there a place like um, people? Uh, where it's happening in a particular hospital or a place where, you know, you think, well, this is the beginning of a role model that could be copied around different places. Is there a place? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah we, it's, in many, it's in many hospitals right Wonderful. now. Um, yeah, it's in many hospitals. Fantastic. It's at UCLA, it's at Ohio State, it's wow. at Boulder, um, it's at Southampton Hospital. Uh, wow. We started it at Beth Israel in the city. We're actually getting an award next week for the work we've done at Beth Israel. Oh. We saved a million dollars in pain medication in one year on a 24-bed oncology unit. Wow. Um, yeah, so, you know, the, the results, the efficacy is um, not doubted yeah. anymore. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's incredible, beautiful. I'm so happy to hear that and um, you know, just so supportive of, of you and Rodney and, and the work that you've been doing with Donna. There's, it is, it's very inspiring and, um, it, you know, makes so much sense um, to be able to offer that. And also, you know, that all of us in some ways, we all live with um, so much challenge in our just day-to-day lives. So in some ways, I feel like those of us who are in the realms of yoga, um, that we get to heal ourselves and then to be able to offer these different practices out in a way that's beneficial, whether it be in the hospital or school or working with vets or working with absolutely you know, all the different kinds of communities out there. But you hit the nail on the head. It's self-care first. Yeah. Um, in all of these modalities, you give yourself Reiki, you find the, the right restorative for yourself, you find yeah. the right hand position, you find, you know, all of that. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting as a mother of, um, between Rodney and I, we have four children, mm. but, uh, but to use these methodologies with them, when, when we have three girls and mm. when they have cramps, it's like, oh, we need to Right. Uh, get them in Supdrakadasa. We need to give them this oil. We need to give them these Reiki hemp. And we need to teach them how to do this. They're all in their 20s. They don't live at home anymore. Um, and then, you know, some of the contemplative work, when you learn how to truly listen, yeah. there's nothing. I mean, when you can hold silent with a broad back and a soft front and let your child have that safe space to tell you whatever without judgment, hmm. it, there's it's that that connection and that tool is invaluable for a parent mm. Mm. wow well thank you this is just such an inspiring oh, conversation i could continue this all day but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> i will let you go but i am okay. so so grateful for you and um very excited about your work and um yeah, I could. I'd love to put the link up about the award and everything, and more information about the Zen program, so that okay, our that would be that would be could, great. Yeah, could read about your trainings and things like that. Wonderful, great. Um, yeah, I mean Joanna is the person that keeps me accountable. Okay, so you can all, you can get all that. Keep me in the loop. Yes, but she will give you all of the the links and the information that you could ever want. Wonderful. Thank you. Of course, of course. Thank you, Sarswati. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. Please leave us a review so that others can find us.